You're listening to the City World Radio Network, high-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world, www.cityworldradio.com. And welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Great night. Not great weather, but great guests. It's going to be an awesome night tonight. Thrilled and so excited to have my my guests, who were also most recently our speakers at our conference in Montclair. They were so amazing. The discussion was so inspiring. We decided to continue the conversation. For those of you who have missed it, you're in for quite a treat. For those who were there, I'm sure you can't wait to hear it and uh Get it back going again. Um, now, before I introduce my amazing guest, just a quick introduction into what uh, you've gotten yourselves into tonight. My name is Kathleen Smith. You uh, started Morph Mom about eight years ago. Um, a former prosecutor, stopped at my kids, no idea what to do, no direction, no confidence, no skills, no anything, except that I like to talk to people. So I thought, okay, rather than reinvent the wheel, and I do like to talk to people, I'm going to travel the country, and I'm going to speak to women who are in the place that I'm in right now, and I'm going to see how they figured out what was next, how they did it, what worked, what didn't work, who helped them get to that spot, and in turn, ask them to help others in our in the situation that we were in now. And at the same time, it was a win-win. They could promote what they were doing to women who they were mentoring. So it was just a win-win supportive community. And Morph Mom began. So since then, it was originally a website with videos and blogs. Um, you know, you take different roads and you end up in different places, and we're here tonight. We have a live radio show now every Thursday night, which is also a podcast on Morph Mom Moments iTunes podcast. So I'm sure you're going to want to listen again to the wise words you hear from my guest tonight, and you can just pull up the podcast tomorrow, again on iTunes Morph Mom Moments. Uh, we host conferences, as I mentioned. Our guests tonight were uh, panelists, and they were amazing and just so inspiring and so generous with their time. So I encourage you to look into our conferences. They really are a fun day. Uh, we also have classes, and most recently we launched the club. So we have 20, you have 24-7 access to us now. When you need help, when you have a question, when you just want to talk, you can join us. And for all of that, go to morefun.com. Now, enough of me. I'm sure you're all saying that right now. Enough, enough. Let's get to why we're really here. I'm thrilled and excited and just so happy to be back with these amazing women who graced the stage at Montclair State University back on June 3rd and just gave such an inspiring and powerful panel. And that night we talked about finding your niche. So Gilly Jarrett of Gilly's, Gilly Garrett, <laughs> I messed up my G's, Gilly Garrett of Gilly's Organics. It's a lot of G's. <laughs> out there, found your niche, found what was missing, and figured out what to do next. 
So, Gilly, I'm going to start with you. Tell us about yourself and how it happened. Sure. I wasn't in the organic world, but I had the passion for it. So when I was living in New York and I was writing, the job that I had prior to starting my brand was actually writing for Estee Lauder and all of the subsidiaries, all of the fragrances and makeup that were licensed under Lauder. And um, they weren't necessarily natural or organic, maybe Aveda. But I met my husband at an organic takeout restaurant, probably not much different than Joyous. It was called the Organic Harvest Cafe on 53rd between 2nd and 3rd. And we started living a much more organic lifestyle. So when the VP got fired that was feeding me all the writing work at Lauder, I said, I think I'm going to make a product. And so I made an organic, 100% organic sugar scrub, and that is how this whole journey began. It started as, like, maybe I'll just make a scrub, you know? It started, like, I liked to blend oils, so it wasn't like I didn't have the passion for it, but it wasn't where I was prior. When you decided to make this product, did you have any knowledge how to create a product and manufacture it and produce it and bottle it? Like, how did you... Or did you think, let me just make the product and figure it out from there? Yeah, I'm kind of a very, um, we talked about this a little bit on the panel. I'm, I'm kind of spontaneous, and I'm a figure-it-out kind of person. And I felt like eventually I manufactured some things, but <laughs> I made that first product myself. And it took some trials and tribulations, for sure. And I tested it on all my girlfriends, and I you know, it used to be a little bit drier, then it was a little bit more oily, and now it's like the perfect consistency. So it took time and a lot of Googling and a lot of, you know, but yeah, you figure out packaging and labeling. And I'm still figuring out. I'm repackaging right now as we speak, and it's a, an amazing and enormous endeavor. An enormous endeavor that's bought, brought you to the shelves of Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big, pretty big congratulations to you there for that pretty big endeavor that really has turned into an amazing product. An amazing company that you created. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, sometimes I I say, oh, I'm only in nine Whole Foods, and then people say, stop saying that. That's not that's not good. You're in nine Whole Foods, so. And um, I'm hoping to be in more. And I've been uh, speaking to regional, so keep your fingers crossed and some other larger retailers. And and yeah, it's it's really good. It's been an amazing journey for my brand and the legitimacy of it because you they have such rigid strict um, guidelines about what can go in and what can't go in and so to be accepted by them and to be selling and continue to sell is a is a huge uh it's a huge thing for me and i'm really grateful and and casey follows sort of a similar path in that that was not your career going into this more marketing and pr and the sudden You've now opened, founded, created the first organic cafe in Montclair. So tell us how, where, what, why, when, (laughs) how did you do this? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I've worked in marketing strategy for almost 20 years in the city, and I was never someone who, like, thought I would open a restaurant, or I've never actually, the secret is I've never actually worked in a restaurant before (laughs) my own, like, not even as, like, a girl, nothing, no. So I had no idea about the industry, but um, when I moved to the suburbs from New York City, I and, you know, I moved to Montclair, which is a very progressive, very forward-thinking, you know, we have an art museum and a film festival, and the only places I could get a snack in my town when I was like, 
running errands with my kids were um, a local deli or a Starbucks or a Dunkin' Donuts when I moved in. Eventually, a cool coffee shop opened up, which is great, and that's where we source our coffee from now. They're awesome. But still, like, you know, it's not every day I want to buy my kid a muffin. I'm kind of, like, crazy about food. I'm crazy about what I feed my family. So um, I started doing some research with my marketing research strategy brain, and I realized that there is an opportunity in a lot of many, many, many suburbs for um, healthier food that just isn't accessible. Um, So I quit my job, and I taught myself how to open a restaurant, and um, we opened opened two years ago, and pretty much the first year was just learning. What does the market want? How can I make this work? How do the numbers add up? Um, A year in, we rebranded and changed our menu, Um, and then a couple months after that, we achieved profitability. So it's sort of like this journey of... I know what the market space is, or the niche, if you will, which is a very specific kind of woman and or person who is looking, you know, for a premium, basically luxury, healthy food and wellness product. Um, But then it's playing within that market space to find the correct product and delivery method, you know, to make money. Now, going into it and the research that you had done, were you expecting that maybe that first year – was more experimental and sort of it may not have been the most so people out there thinking god is this something i could do do you sort of have to go in thinking you can't expect the first year to be the most profitable it's more the learning curve figuring out what's right and from there starting to maybe then start the profitability i didn't think that because <laughs> i have a completely irrational sense of self-confidence um but everyone should assume that like redoing your kitchen it's going to take longer and cost more than you think but if you don't give up eventually your kitchen will be done but yeah she's like my soul sister opposite (laughs) she's like we are we are soul sisters and we should go out for you know green juices and 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 lunch and and everything um but i'm i'm like sure let's do it and it'll make money and it's a little bit i someone asked me the other day what my superpower was and one of my superpowers is for sure abundant optimism, which, by the way, don't get me wrong, I, I cry my eyes out about plenty of stuff, but, like, I'm, I just thought, of course I'll do this. And, by the way, it doesn't mean that I was profitable. <laughs> no way was I profitable for a while. Talk to my husband. I was doing side hustle for a very, very long time because my skills were in marketing and branding and social media and writing, and I took on a lot of that to keep the brand alive. So, yeah, but it was like, it wasn't the rational brain that was working. Only when I needed the money was I like, oh, I got to be rational here. Let me let me pitch these companies to, to do their writing from home. But as far as like, will this work? What I don't understand is like, there every suburb out of Manhattan in New Jersey are all women that used to live in Manhattan that want the healthy food. But yet when you come to suburbia, why? Are you stuck with, like you said, Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, and maybe a deli when you want what you're serving, what Joyous is serving? Like, why? That's a great question. This is why you're going to yes, well this is, right. <laughs> this is, I mean, that, that's my pitch right. to investors, right? It's, it's the, the market opportunity is here. There's a bunch yeah. of people who are being displaced. There's a huge population shift right now of specifically millennials, who, by the way, are now like 25 to 38 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, they... They were predicted to stay in cities forever because they love that lifestyle, but they're not. They're moving to the suburbs just like their parents, but they're moving to walkable suburbs, and they want this kind of food. 
Um, so that's where we're targeting. We're not going into any kind of more parking lot, strip mall places. Mm-hmm. We only want to be right near a train in a downtown walkable suburb. And this is the person that we, we need to serve because right. they, I mean, they ate this every day in the city and exactly. it just doesn't exist here. That's our biggest beef. Uh, yeah. We live in a great town. You should come to Tenafly. <laughs> we live in a great town. And Summit. Yeah. But, um, you know, we have a wonderful health food store that now serves amazing food. But for a really long time, we were like, all the restaurants, everything's sort of mainstream, old school, healthy, right? Yeah. And, right. and um, nothing where we were like, okay, I don't want to go to Whole Foods for dinner right now all the time. You want to bring, you want to, you want this organic cafe. Yeah. And organic, I mean, organic cafes are hard. Yeah. Organic food is expensive. expensive. And multiple advisors told me to pull off the organic. And I was like, that's not the business I want to run. I don't feel, I feel strongly that organic food is important for the environment and for humans to eat. So I'm just going to raise prices because, because I wasn't making money, right? right? And I was like, and we're going to find out if the market will pay for it. Mm-hmm. And they did. You know, and I think that's why they don't exist. I think people think that the suburban market is not sophisticated enough to pay the high prices and understand. My favorite statistic is that 70% of Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop newsletter readers are not in major cities. 70%. Amazing. Right. And and yet, where is the in-person version of all of her recipes and recommendations and her ashwagandha and moringa? We have all that stuff. You know, it's like, where is the in-person version of that for these women? That's what we want to be. So here's a question about that you just raised about the pricing and with a product and a cafe. And and I'm assuming with the products as well, just, you know, that's the thought that what goes into these products is going to be a little bit more expensive than maybe yeah. you may have expected going into it. And when you hit that obstacle, which we learned from the conference, obstacle can be an opportunity. <laughs> but in this case, I'm not sure always that that obstacle when it's price related can be. So how did you both sort of deal with that? So, okay, if you go to uh, Barney's or Bergdorf's and you buy a sugar scrub that's eight ounces, it's going to be $70, right? But because I got into Whole Foods and at first it was, you know, at one point it was 30 then it was 25 now it's 18 But even $18 next to, no, no, the sugar scrub, that's the, the face cream. Well, that's 24 And that's good boy ounces. Exactly. So in order to stay on the shelves and to... To compete, but it's, I'm really not competing with, let's say, 365. Because if you can get a, a sugar scrub for eight dollars and mine's eighteen, you know they tend to place you next to ones that are they sometimes do that are in a similar price range. But mm-hmm. I've lowered the prices on everything in order to stay on the shelves. But here's the thing. It is organic. It is expensive. I don't have a high profit margin on some of them. That's why retail online is my best bet. Um, but it does matter where you sell it. You know, I always found it interesting. You know, there are women that for prestige will, will buy an ounce of Chanel for $200, like this tiny little that's not organic, that isn't really, it's just laden with chemicals and things like that. But there are people that will, there are always people that, are your customers. And once you find them and you and you've created a community and they and they love the products, then that's everything and that's all you need. Like you can't market to everyone, market to no one, right? Um, that's like marketing one oh one and there are always gonna be people that will say, you know what, I really like her face cream and it's twenty four 
And yeah, I can get it for fourteen for from this brand. I can also spend forty four or ninety four, but um I really like I like this brand. I like what's in it and I like what she has to stand for. I like where she gives charity or whatever it is. And so you find your people and you find your customers. And so I guess the price it could change a little, but now I feel like I'm sort of in that price range. It's accessible, but it's not cheap. And I mean I I am talking to other retailers that might want it to go lower. I might just make a smaller size. Yeah, smaller. Yeah. Now, for those listening out there and thinking, what do you do? Like, is that a bad thing if you reduce the price? Like, what's your advice in a situation like that? Because I, w- I wouldn't know what to do. Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. I love talking about pricing. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's fascinating. It's scary um, and fascinating. So much less rational than anyone thinks. Um, there are studies that show, for example, so we have all, um, it's sort of did pricing at Joyous. So if it says $12 on the board, you're going to pay $12. We've already calculated the tax in. We don't add it, right? It's, it's, it's even. They're all even numbers. You don't accept tips. It's all like it's what you pay, right? Mm-hmm. You want to add spinach, just add it. It's $12. Um, and the reason we did that is that there's some really interesting research in psychology about pricing and whole numbers seem more luxury than smaller fractioned numbers. So people are more mm-hmm. likely to buy a bottle of champagne that costs $100 than one that costs uh, $98.34. Really? Yeah. So the, the 90, and I don't mean to interrupt, but like the, you know, nineteen ninety nine instead of $20, that I always, oh, we well, do tell about I this. Well, I can learn about this. It implies value, right? So if you're trying to buy a calculator, you probably want the one for $8.99, not the one for $30, because you're looking for a value on that on an item like that. But oh, I'm building a luxury brand, right? And I have some experience doing that. I've worked with Tiffany before. I've worked with Grey Goose before. You know, other luxury brands have been in my world in marketing. And it's one of my favorite things to work on because I find it more interesting. And when you're talking about health and wellness and organic, I think the trouble comes when people are trying to provide luxury products, but because it's food, they think they can't charge luxury prices. But the food I'm I'm providing is is premium food. I mean, it's, it's a real, it will cost a lot if you make it at home, you know, and it's going to cost a lot if you buy it at the store. And this is where I'm grateful I come from a marketing background and not a restaurant one because, again, a lot of the advisors on the restaurant side would say, you can't raise prices. This is what it is. The market won't take it. And I'm like, well, either I'm going to close or I'm going to make my products worse or I'm going to raise prices. Exactly. So I might as well let the customers tell me if they'll pay them. Right, and if not, then I'll close. So then, it's not a sustainable business. So then, if the prices that the stuff costs are not being paid, then it's not a business model, right? right? But if the prices that make me a real business, right. you know, are are acceptable to people once they understand why it costs that much, then that's a business. But the people that are paying for it devalue it, and that's where it's hard like, to appeal to appease uh, investors, which I don't have yet. So here's the thing. You're, there are people that, if they want spinach that's conventional, they can go to the deli and get a spinach salad. And so you want to grow and you want to make money, but you have enough people that care and say, okay, you know what? I don't want the pesticides. I'm willing to pay the extra few bucks. I like going there because I know that they, use, they don't use crap oils and all that. And I think that's like... You have to stay true to that. I mean, the, yeah, the, the deli directly across the street from me sells smoothies for 
I think they're seven ninety five or something, and ours are twelve. And some people need to go across the street, and some people have n- don't w- blink an eye at mm-hmm. coming to you. And then, then those people are not my customers. You know what I mean? I read this amazing book which was talking all about how you have to find your best customers and then replicate them and let the other ones go because they're not making you any money, right? That's right. That's right. And that's to me, that's what raising my prices did because the people that were coming in who don't understand why it costs more and what they're paying for, they should not be here, right? And and I need the people who know, and they're going to come back and buy more. I just hired a digital marketing specialist. Hi, Sarah. And she just said to me, Gilly, I want you to raise your prices. I know you're in Whole Foods, and I know you can't really to some degree, but with the new packaging, you know, it's going to need to be a little bit. And we'll just see what happens. But um, again, for that reason, it's, yeah. it's quality, it's expensive, I'm providing something. So even my husband said to me recently, like, you're not, like, in this for charity, right? No. And I'm like, no. Yeah. You, and I feel like that's a female thing. It, right? Like, you have to just give it away. And if you're making any money, you should be feeling guilty about it. Right. No. This right. is a business. And, business. and it costs us and money. And if you're run. not making money, close. Because right. you're not running a business. Right. Right? Or change, you know, you, ha- you change something, right? That's not. That's I learned to say this year. I have given this charity, this charity, this charity, and if you'd like to sign up for next year, I just learned how to do this because I spent more time giving giving away as many as my orders were coming in, and I love to give, and I just chose one charity recently that was my main, and then there are schools and things that I have committed to every year. They are now on the list, and I have much more organized about it, and then when it doesn't meet it, I say, oh, I'm really sorry. Please, please reach out to me next year, and and we'll talk about it early on. It's, it's hard. It's so reassuring and terrifying. It's like, because I know, because I've been doing this for a long time, but to put yourself out there and say, I am worth this. And, and not just me, this product is worth this. And I know it is. I'm going to stand behind it and not sacrifice the value of it or the integrity of it or the quality of it because I, per- I self-perceive or others think that it should meet some other standard. And it's just so encouraging to hear you both say this right now. I can't, I just so salute. So I was so pleasantly surprised. So we, we significantly raised prices in April and, um, you know, we had a few hard conversations, but it wasn't hard for me to train the staff how to deal with them because I was like, it's just honest. It's just the truth. We had to raise prices because otherwise we were going to close. Like this is how much this food costs. And I'll never forget on the first day someone called in an order. So she had no way to know that the price had raised. So I was like, hey, just so you know, the price changed. And she's like, what was it before? And I was like, 12. She goes, what is it now? I was like, 15. And she's like, I never looked. Your quality is so good. I never even knew what the price was. I love it. And I was like, that is it. This is why. And they're not coming to me for price because I'm already premium. You know, they're coming to me because they can't get it anywhere else. And that customer, so here's the thing, that kind of customer might be a value shopper in a car or in clothing or in summer camp. I don't know, but when it comes to food, that's that's all that matters. And so same thing for me. When people are like, oh, I really care what I put on my skin. I don't want carcinogens. I want the science and the and the anti-aging hyaluronic acid and the and the tea extracts and the and the fruit acids, but I don't want the crap that goes in it to preserve it or to um, you know, make it suds, things like that. They're my customer, but they might 
not, but they might shop value somewhere else, right? And then, like I said, there are people that buy the Chanel, but are in, but they're cheap with their their groceries. They're not our customer. No, no. So knowing that is okay. It's actually empowering Mm -hmm. to know. And what you said that not every customer is your customer. Sort of like if you build it, they will come. But if you build maintaining that quality and realizing. It, it's not going to make everybody happy. Yeah. Which, and that's another hard thing, I would think. Even as, you know, as moms and going, you're just so used to trying to appease everyone, make everybody happy. So did that ever come into this at all, that yeah. worrying yeah. about yeah. that? Well, I mean, two things. One, from a marketing perspective, don't ever try to make everyone happy. Mm-hmm. You'll make a terrible product. Yeah. Two, so you're going to make happy and focus on them. But uh, for a business that depends on the number of people that come in through the door, that's hard. I do need to hit a certain minimum of just people. I can't be so esoteric that, you know, no matter how loyal my 10 most loyal customers are, you know, they're not going to cut it. You're not so, keeping a light on it. Yeah, so, I mean, you have to sometimes hit a minimum when there's a geographic relationship. You know, I can't. It's not like I'm an online brand where I can always find more people. Um, and that's one of the reasons my next location I want to have in a slightly larger town like Summit because I do think, although Montclair is very big, that this part of town that I'm in, you know, is, is relatively small. And so I, I need a larger pool to, to get that specific niche. Yeah. Um, and Gilly, have you felt that as well? Sure. Um, I think the question didn't value, like a mom or a, or a peer. I think we're so accustomed of trying to appease everybody yeah. all the time. And right. you just, but it's really hard when... I think it's hard to give that part up and move forward with a different track. Yes, I have a hard time with, I've been um, accused of liking everyone, um, <laughs> which I don't think is the worst thing in the world, but I do, I do like a lot of people. I have a nice, I have a nice, um, I have a nice area, I have a nice town, I have a lot of nice people, but um, the, the issue I have sometimes is that I want to give everyone a discount. So if you know me and you're, you're my friend or you're my friend's friend or you're my neighbor and you're like, I need Mother's Day presents. And I'm like, okay, great. And then they're like, how much do I owe you? And then it's hard for me to just say like the actual price. Sometimes I'm like, oh, well, plus I'm just going to take 25% off. And I have some amazing women in the area that have been my customers for a decade. And I'll be like, no. <laughs> like, if you don't give it to me full price, I'm buying it at the store. They said that to you. Yes. And then there are other ones that I love, and they're like, yeah, I'll take the discount. And that's fine, because I've offered it. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate If you're listening, I appreciate your business. <laughs> I do. I do. I appreciate your business. But um, I think that being hurt by people that maybe uh, don't find your products valuable, I got over that a long time ago because I'm too busy now. I'm too busy. You're, if you're in my town and you're not picking it up at the health food store or Whole Foods or online, I love you still. You buy your Chanel or you buy your 365 or you buy your CVS, you buy your Cetaphil. I don't care. I still love you. It's okay. You know what I mean? And so my customers that support me, some of them support me because they love me and some of them really just want the product. And those are the people that I some of them are both, and that's even better, right? I was going to say, I think that's one of the most satisfying or, I think, um, invigorating things yeah. when you realize it's someone you don't know yeah. that well, just wants to buy it. 
Yeah, that, that they don't know you, but they, they're recognizing something there. And in, in, so in the shop or in your store, in the cafe, like it must be kind of exciting when you see new people coming in that you don't know. Say, oh, I heard about this, I heard about that. Yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. One of the most like out-of-body experiences I ever had was shortly after we opened, I was just in the store and I brought, someone was sitting, you know, at a table and I brought them something and I was like, I made this recipe in my kitchen. Somebody else just made it and now I'm serving it to a stranger who like really likes it. Like that is so weird. And even we just launched a meal plan. Um, we have this meal plan service where you can pick up in the morning your breakfast, lunch, and a snack and a, a morning hot drink boosted with um, adaptogens, coffee or spicy lemonade. And it's all like packaged up for you and you come get it in the morning and it's all the food you need to eat until dinner, basically. Um, yeah. Wow. It's going really well. So, but when we launched it, the first few customers of that were people that I knew. And then, so the first time an order came in online from a stranger, I was like, ah, oh my God, I figured out e-commerce. And I, I, I don't know, it still feels weird. And you couldn't trace that person back to your friend. That's right. No, it's a total stranger. Total stranger. Yeah. Love it. All right. So now with everything you guys are doing, clearly everyone can hear. It's just absolutely amazing. For those of you who just joined us tonight, clearly you all immediately need to go to Gilly Organics and to go to Montclair and go to Joyce Cafe to get a strawberry bar that I have right next to me that is sitting next to me and I'm dying to eat while we're on the radio, but I'm behaving. Um, behaving it's so good. Oh no, I just meant because we're on the radio and I have to talk. Clearly I, I'm going to inhale this in a minute. But it's got fruit, it's got almond flour, it's got chia seeds. I mean, there's, there's a lot of... Right now, now, here's a question, Casey, because now let's say someone out there is listening from California or internationally, would this ever be something they could buy? Is this something that you could then send online? Is that possible? Gilly is going to introduce me and to her contacts at Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a cup. It's his name. It will. Cobbler is so freaking it is. delicious. It's worth the drive to Montclair. I'm telling you. I have to eat it. I hope there's no <laughs> cobbler in my seat, but we're on the radio, so I don't care. This is so delicious. Yeah. Could you sh can you ship this? Um, Why not? Not yet. I have a very talented chef. Um, so we are. Look, we. I get asked a lot about you know distributing certain things to retail. Mm. Um, it's a whole different business, right? Co-packing, mm. shipping. I'd like to get into it someday, but I'm trying to stay focused. Mm. And I guess the question with organic, um, if you were to ship, does that involve, I don't know how this works with organic food, but some sort of, not pest, something, a substitute or a preservative that would not, I don't know, is that necessary then in shipping? I mean, you'd probably need distribution centers that were, you know, I mean, this yeah. look, I don't want to become a logistics company, yeah. right? right? And. And that's what, I mean, Sakara, who I love, I don't know if you guys know them, amazing yeah, company, yeah. amazing women. They're like my dream, yeah, like, like, like I'm amazed yeah. by them. Um, they are, they are a, a logistics company essentially now. Yeah. That's what they have to deal with. They're delivering fresh food to 48 states. Crazy. I mean, it's really hard. And so in my wildest dreams, you know, in five years, I have enough locations that I can cover many places, but via the actual cafe locations, not having to ship um, right. with the meal plans and things like that, but that the joyous location would always be a pickup point. But, I mean, that's just a theoretical. I, I, wanted, I, would, I would love to, it was an hour drive here, but it was like, I would come, first of all, that is so freaking delicious. I will come 
if you can do Monday through Friday, like how Sakara does, where yeah. they deliver you on Monday morning for three days or something like that. Up to three, yeah, if I could five. come to you on, if I could come to Summit or Montclair or whatever at Monday morning once a week, right? Yeah. I'm not in Montclair Whole Foods yet. Hello, Montclair. <laughs> I know you're very small, self space, but <laughs> if I could come to pick up three days, I would pick up without even trying your breakfast and lunch and adaptogen coffee or whatever. I would pick up three days because we'll I love I love Sakara and I wonder if Sakara tastes the same in L.A., New, yeah. New Jersey, and Boston. I mean, I, those women seem like brand experts to me. I have a feeling they have that figured out, yeah. or they want to do it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because I think they're, they're really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, we can package up three days. We don't do dinner just because I feel like in the suburbs, which is we have a slightly different market. People mm-hmm. like to have dinner with their families, mm-hmm. and that's important. And right. I don't want people. To be so strict about their diets, they can't like, have dinner with their family. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, that's not you know. <laughs> so, so it's everything, everything but that. I love it. Yeah. You can't have everything but my strawberry bar. Get your hands off my strawberry. Uh, no, I did the dinner actually. I did, I did three days, no breakfast. I did lunch and dinner and the snack and the like rose water or whatever. Yeah, delicious. So you just mentioned something, Casey, about you know in five years. So when you guys started these companies and these businesses were you how many years and especially in marketing both of you with this experience mm-hmm. how many years do you suggest like do you say in two years and three years and five years i still eight years in but i have a business plan so i don't know the answer to this but what is the way to look at this like how forward thinking should you be or would you suggest would be a reasonable thing to start off with i think it's very personal yeah i mean i just think it depends what your goals are are they life fulfillment? Are, is it money? Is it, you know, more time with your kids, less time with your kids? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, what what are you trying to achieve? And I had a 100-page business plan when I opened. Um, I have not, I mean, it has changed so much, but, but that, I mean, it will change. So you can make your five-year plans, you can make your 10-year plans, but then if an opportunity arises where suddenly your cobbler is flying off the shelves at Whole Foods, suddenly you have a different business model. Yeah. You know, and I've seen people do that pivot. Um, Moon Juice, a chain of juice bars in L.A., is a great example of that. She was a juice bar, you know, Amanda Chantal Bacon, she was the, she founded this, and now she sells supplements. I mean, she still has a few locations, but that's not what her business is. She completely realized that there was another opportunity in the market mm-hmm. that her brand could extend to, and and she's she's killing it there. So I I think you know you can make the plans, but also, yeah. and you know what your end goal is. Like you can change the direction to yeah. get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you feel like that too, Gilly? Did I you? agree. Um, it's very personal. I do agree that it's a personal to each entrepreneur. Like I have. I get so many people with different advice, like they give different advice and they say like, you should be on a plane every day. And like, I have other people that are like, you should raise your prices. You should lower your prices. Like you can't listen to it. You have to listen to your heart and your gut. And for me, um, I haven't written a business plan. (laughs) I maybe am more of like a vision board in my head kind of girl. Um, And if you ask me to articulate it right now, I'd say in five years, I will be in um, all of the Whole Foods, and I have this other retailer, which I'm not going to say, who wants to talk to me right now, next week. Um, 
them and my online business is rocking and rolling. And who knows, like Casey said, maybe it's a pivot. Maybe it's one product that goes berserk and the others sort of like are there but don't go crazy. And I think the best entrepreneurs, and you hear this from every famous entrepreneur like Gary Vee or everybody, that they say, you got to pivot. You got to go with what sells and you have to grow and follow, you know, not, not focus on what's not selling, but focus on what's selling. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like that's you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you're doing this, so, so you're going into this plan. So those out there who are thinking, God, I have this idea and I'm ready and I want to go and I'm listening to these two amazing women tell their stories and I have a tentative plan, but with the understanding there's got to be flexibility along the way. Have you ever hit a point, though, when you thought, okay, that road closed. Like, this is not going to work. i got to really pivot and go the other direction. I don't know if that ever happened to either of you, but, like, in, maybe when you started out, you thought, I'm definitely going to, this is going to be a piece of it. And then maybe a little bit into it, you realize, this is definitely not going to be a piece of it, and pivoted yeah. from that. I spent $25,000 on two top-of-the-line cold-pressed juicers <laughs> that could customize cold-pressed juice, which was a revolution in the industry to be able to make a cold-pressed juice to order for one person, not mm -hmm. in bulk. Um, and we don't sell juice anymore. So, I mean, for a very large discount. <laughs> yeah. um, so, no, I didn't really get that money back. Um, but, you know, it, it's a sunk cost. And, I mean, I th that's what you need to do to be successful. You have to say that money has already been spent. And right now this part of our business is dragging us down. The margins are shitty. The You know, I don't particularly think juice is the most healthy unless it's like a fully green juice, you know. But most people weren't buying the fully green juices, you know. I'd rather they buy a smoothie, you know, because I think fiber is like super-duper important. It's like a magic ingredient in this world that is often overlooked. So, I couldn't really stand behind the product. We weren't making a ton of money. It was labor intensive. It was taking up all of our fridge space. And we had, finally, we were just like, no, you know? And, and one of the things I've learned is like, there were things I say, maybe one day we won't sell juice. Maybe one day we'll do this. Maybe one day we'll yeah. offer coffee. There's not, no. Yeah. Now. Do it now. Because mm -hmm. you're just hard. wasting time. You feel like this is hard because it's your baby. It's your brand. It's your store that you have tied so much of your self-worth into it that going from selling the best cold-pressed juices to not is, like, a little bit crushing. And I feel like, for me, um, I, I don't talk about it all the time, but I have gotten new Whole Foods and lost the Whole Foods, new Whole Foods and lost Whole Foods. And they were, like, we were in tears, a couple of them, where they were like, hey, we're, we're renovating and we're, we're making our shelves smaller and you're not the only one to go. There's like 200 other brands, but it's nothing personal. And, and, and we hugged, and, but you take it personally. You can't help but take it personally, right? Um, but I think the, the thing that I've learned and maybe you've learned now too because you're still in business and you're rocking and rolling is that you take it, you cry, or you, you feel like shit for a day uh, or two days or a week, and then you just move on, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess for me, it was once, once the idea that I might have to close the store because I couldn't figure it out became a reality. Those, those smaller decisions along the way became easier, mm -hmm. you know, because it sort of became like, well, I can make these hard decisions 
um, if I think it's going to save the store and let it at least still live. You know, um, last fall, we, you know, I got spent months learning about fundraising process and how to raise funds from investors. And we got some good interest, but not enough to open another location, right? Not the full amount that we needed. Um, and rather than take that money and just continue to, like, bury it into the hole of a business that wasn't fully making money, but we had the vision for how we were going to make money, I said, I'm not taking any of that money. We're going to double down our own money, and I'm going to make all these changes that I said I was going to make someday, and we're going to see if we can make this work. So it was sort of more like an idea before, right? It was like we have this brand, and we have this concept, and here's the things we've learned, and here's what we're going to do, and we know it's going to work. And I knew it was going to work. But we instead we just did it. But that required making all those hard decisions. But suddenly I had the energy to make them because mm-hmm. I was like, I know this is the right thing that needs to be done, but I have to prove it. I can't just talk about it in theory. So we spent six months not talking to anyone and just making all those changes. Um, and that's where we are now, basically. Um, so, yeah, yeah I mean, I kind of feel like an investor. No, not yet. I mean, my brother was kindly invested. He's the best in the world. But, um, but no. <laughs> is he a morphine by chance <laughs> but no no I mean we're trying again and maybe it won't work again but at least now we aren't in such a rush to take money in because we're not just yeah. like losing money out the back and I got to show myself that once I did like fully realize all the ideas I had it was a real business and mm-hmm. I could do it so now even if it closes I feel like I could do it Yes. You know what I mean? Maybe I don't have the energy to own 10 of them. Maybe someday I'll decide that's not the path I want to go down. But, like, I, I proved something to yeah. myself. You know, you know? that reminds me of that saying, what you just said. Like, even if it did, like, Karen Kahn, which is how we also reconnected. Right. She always said, I, I'm also a coach for iFund Women. I teach a couple of women a month where I help them raise money for their for their, for their business through iFund Women. And um, Karen says, like, Fail fast. Like, know if it's going to fail and, like, figure it out. And if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to go back and do something else. Like, it really, if you're not going to go back to corporate America, you're going to do, you're going to follow the, you're going to pivot with whatever. But you're not failing because (laughs) you're opening in Summit next week. (laughs) (laughs) Strawberry bars in the first thing. Strawberry bars are killer. (laughs) I think another thing, too, and having gone through it myself many times, I think you also know if you have the heart. So you could go through just a terrible day or something disastrous and be humiliated and just, if you can get up the next morning and still want to do it, there's still something there, I think. And you're going to have to readjust and pivot and financially it may be really, really hard to do it. But I think at least if you have taken that hit or that big fall and you've fallen off, but if you still want to get back up and it's really hard, I still think that fire in your gut will show you maybe or give you the courage to stand up and try a different path. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's just I don't want to do anything else. Right. So some days, some days I really don't want to do it, you know, and and because I just think, oh, wouldn't it be easy to do something else? Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know this sounds obnoxious, but, like, it wasn't that hard to make money at the point in my career that I was, right? I, I mean, right. For many years I did right. it, but, you know, I had kind of, become successful right and it's like this is ridiculous why am I not just like giving myself a break because I'm like sick all the time because I'm super stressed out like you know like just like give it a break Mm -hmm. right um but then I imagine my life doing that and I feel bored Mm -hmm. you know and um I don't want to do that 
and I can't think of anything I'd rather be doing. I couldn't agree more. I sometimes like say to people, well, at 45, if I, I'm definitely not making what I'd be making in corporate America at this point, had I stayed on track. And then all of a sudden I think about that number and I'm like, oh shit, like yeah. why, like what? But I'm on the track too and then some, mm-hmm. and then I feel like, wow, I wish it started sooner. Why, like, I know I have more to lose. There's so much, there's so much at risk, right? We've made sacrifices. I live in a, a zip code that's not normal. It's super expensive with three kids. We could have benefited ridiculously from two amazing salaries. And this is a, this is a strong choice. It's not just like, oh, let me just do this. I'm not a mom that, and there's nothing wrong with the moms in town who can do that. If they, if their business fails and their husband makes enough for two people in in the area, that's great. I like, 